Welcome to the Verse by Verse podcast, a ministry of the Friendship Congregational Bible Church. I'm Richard Church, the teacher on Verse by Verse, and I'm glad you've joined with us today as we study together God's infallible word, verse by verse. First Corinthians 14 is largely about the practice of speaking in tongues. And so after warning them that these things are going to pass away, Paul is then going to instruct them about how, what's the right way for these things to operate. Since they hadn't passed away yet, they were still in operation, uh, what was the right way for them to operate? So, so, you know, we see from chapter 13 that they're going to pass away, and, and they would pass away with that completion of the Word of God. We have the completion of the Word of God, so we shouldn't expect those things to be operating today. Uh, chapter 14 is going to tell how when they were operating, this is how it was to be done. And what you find among the churches that practice speaking in tongues today is they don't they don't follow what's given there as as the instructions for how they would operate. Because, since it's not something God is doing, they can't allow it to operate the way the Scripture describes, and they're trying to work these things up in themselves, and they they can't follow the instructions that are given here because it won't work. So, chapter 14 says, Follow after charity... And desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. Now remember, prophecy was one of those top gifts, right? He says, he says to desire spiritual gifts, but what you should be wanting to do is to prophesy is to speak forth the word of God. All right, so gradually as the word of God was being completed, there was a change from the prophet being given special revelation to speak forth the word of God. And as, as the word of God is being completed, now you can go to the book and preach from the book and, and be prophesying and speaking forth the word of God, right? So it, it says don't desire the, you know, the miracles, the healings, those things. Desire the teaching gifts. And verse 2 says, For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church." I would that ye all spake with tongues, but rather that ye prophesied. For greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. Now, again, realize, understand that tongues, just the word tongues throughout all the Bible, means languages. All right? And, and, and it always means just regular languages that people speak on earth. Some, some people, if you look back at uh, chapter 12, or chapter 13 again, uh, you notice it, it mentions there in verse 1, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. And some people based on that verse have said that 
tongues are, are a, a heavenly language. Well, there's no doubt that there is a heavenly language that the angels speak, but Paul's not saying there that the gift of tongues was about speaking a heavenly language. He's just saying, even if I could speak, if I could speak even the language that angels speak and all the, you know, the languages of men and don't have charity, he says, I'm, I'm like a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Right? So, so these Corinthians were speaking in all of these tongues, but they were doing it without charity. And Paul's saying it's just a bunch of noise. That's all it is. Uh, here in chapter 14, um, what he says is that when somebody speaks in an unknown tongue, they're not speaking to men, obviously, because nobody can understand them. If I were to stand up here today and, and speak you know, some different language... Um, maybe there would be a couple of you that would understand that language, but, you know, most of us speak English, and that's, that's the only language we know really well, and uh, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't understand. So I couldn't say I was speaking to you because you wouldn't understand anything I say. Now, God would know what I was saying, right? So if I speak in an unknown tongue, a, a language that nobody understands, it doesn't do anybody else any benefit, Right? He that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God, for no man understandeth him. Howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. Verse 3 says, But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. If somebody's prophesying and they're just speaking the language that everybody understands, now there's a benefit. Now you can edify people. Now you can exhort them. Now you can comfort them. Verse 4 says, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. Now, one thing that tells you, by the way, about speaking in tongues. Um, throughout this passage, it makes it clear that there's no edification without understanding. Right? The person who was speaking in tongues understood what he was trying to say. It's just that it would come out in a different language. Now today, when somebody claims they're speaking in tongues, if you go and ask them, what did you just say? Most of the time, they'll tell you, I don't, I don't know what I said. Um, they would say they need somebody to interpret that tongue. But you see there, the, the one who speaks in an unknown tongue, he knows what he's saying. He edifies himself, but nobody else understands it. Verse 5 says, But I would that ye all spake with tongues, but rather that ye prophesied. For greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. Right? So Paul says it's great to speak with tongues, but he says I would rather that you prophesy in a way that people can understand it. Now, if somebody can interpret it, if there's somebody there to interpret it so you can gain the benefit of what's being said, okay, he says that's, that's good. But if there's no understanding, then there's, there's no benefit to it. Verse 6, he says, Now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you except I shall speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine, and even things without life giving sound, whether pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what is piped or harped? For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? So likewise ye, 
Except ye uttered by the tongue words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken, for ye shall speak into the air. You see where Paul puts the emphasis. It's on understanding. You see, when Paul talks about ed- edification, he doesn't, he doesn't count. The, you know, the people who, who practice that speaking in tongues, they say, oh, it's so edifying because we, we can see and feel the working of God. Paul doesn't count that as edification. Paul counts edification as being able to understand what's being said and to learn God's word. Right? Edification is not uh, about having a good feeling about something you experience. Edification is about learning truth. And you see what Paul says, it needs to be taught by words that are, are clear to be understood, easy to be understood, so that it can be known what's spoken. And he says, otherwise you're speaking into the air. And there's a lot of speaking into the air going on in churches today. Uh, that, that don't follow these, you know, these instructions here in Scripture for how those tongues ought to be, ought to be conducted and don't recognize the things we looked at this morning about the ceasing of those tongues altogether uh, once the Word of God would be complete. Um, verse 10, it says, There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaketh a barbarian, and he that speaketh shall be a barbarian unto me. Even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church." Wherefore, it says, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the spirit, I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. Um, the, the, the key theme here in this entire passage is the issue of edification. And uh, edification, Paul says, is something that can only take place when there's understanding, right? So uh, you could, I mean, think, for instance, if you were to, to pick up a Bible in a different language and, you know, you think about all the things that are written there, it wouldn't mean anything to you uh, if you didn't have understanding of it. And likewise, uh, he describes how, how in the church, the, the issue, the thing that's going to bring edification, the thing that's going to build you up, the thing that's going to prepare you to apply the Word of God in the circumstances of your life, the, you know, it, it's going to be understanding of God's Word, right? And, and so in, it, with that issue of edification, there's always that issue of understanding. And so, you know, Paul says if somebody, if you hear somebody speak and you don't know the, the language that they're speaking, um, you aren't going to understand them. They're going to be a barbarian to you. You'll be a barbarian to them. Um, and, and what he says is, in the exercise of these gifts, now tongues was something that was very showy, especially there at, at Corinth, uh, and that was the point of it. It was a sign, all right? But uh, uh, you see what he says, seek that ye may excel, in verse 12, to the edifying of the church, to, to the building up of the church. Um, so what he says is if somebody's going to speak in an unknown tongue, and that's a tongue, a language that would be unknown 
to the people that are listening, the people that are, are hearing it, if it's unknown, he says, pray that he may interpret so that what he's saying can give, can give edification to the people that hear it. Uh, in verse 14, when he says, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, he says, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. Now, he's not saying that if he prays in an unknown tongue that he won't understand what he's saying, but he's saying like in the context of the church, if somebody's praying and they're praying in this language that nobody else understands, it's when he says my understanding, he's, he's talking about being able to give understanding to the people that are hearing it. And he says that's unfruitful. So what he says is, he says, I'll pray with the Spirit and pray with the understanding also. I'll pray with the Spirit, which is, you know, what I can know. The person who's speaking in tongues, in, you know, in the practice of biblical tongues, is able to understand. They know what they're saying. Um, it's not that, that, you know, they don't understand what they're saying. But he's saying, I'll pray with the Spirit and that I'll know what I'm saying and with the understanding also, in that other people who hear me praying will be able to understand it as well. He says, I'll sing with the Spirit, I will sing with the understanding also. Uh, He says in verse 16, Else when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say amen at thy giving of thanks, seeing he understandeth not what thou sayest? Now when we say amen, we traditionally say amen at the end of a of a prayer and there's biblical you know that's a biblical example but understand when you're saying amen um you are it i mean the the term literally means so be it or uh you're you're kind of saying you agree with what was said right now what happens is with a term like that is often we forget the meaning and we just say it out of out of custom or tradition or whatever but Paul says how could somebody really say amen when you're giving thanks how could they say amen when they don't understand what you just said by the way there are times where you know you shouldn't necessarily say amen if you know if somebody if somebody is praying for something and and you don't think that uh that, you know, you, you aren't praying for the same thing. Uh, you shouldn't say amen just out of tradition. You're, you know, you're essentially saying, when you say amen, you're saying, that's my prayer too. And if it's not your prayer, um, you, you shouldn't necessarily say amen. And that's what Paul's saying here. He's saying, how could somebody say amen if they don't even understand what is being said? Uh, verse 17 says, For thou verily givest thanks well, but the other is not edified. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than ye all, yet in the church I had rather speak five words with my understanding, that by my voice I might teach others also, than ten thousand words in an unknown tongue. And he says in verse 20, Brethren, be not children in understanding, howbeit in malice be ye children, but in understanding be men. When it comes to thinking about the wrong things, be innocent and be like a child. But when it comes to understanding God's word, be, he says, be men, be mature. Um, and, and he says in verse 21, now verses 21 and 22 give us a, uh, 
give us some, some understanding, some greater understanding about what the purpose of these tongues were. In verse 21, it says, In the law it is written, With men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people, and yet for all that will they not hear me, saith the Lord. Wherefore, tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. Now, he quotes here from the law, and the quote is from the book of Isaiah. Let's turn back there to Isaiah chapter 28 and, and see what the, some of the context is there in the verse that he's quoting. Uh, Isaiah chapter 28, Isaiah chapter 28, and if you, If you start, uh, for instance, in verse 5, it says, In that day shall the Lord of hosts be for a crown of glory and for a diadem of beauty unto the residue of his people, and for a spirit of judgment to him that sitteth in judgment, and for strength to them that turn the battle to the gate. But they also have erred through wine and through strong drink and are out of the way, Uh, sorry, through strong drink are out of the way. The priest and the prophet have erred through strong drink. They are swallowed up of wine. They are out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. For all tables are full of vomit and filthiness so that there is no place clean. Now, when it talks there about the priests and the, and the prophets, that they've erred, it says they've, they stumble in judgment. And certainly there's no place greater that they stumbled in judgment than when it came to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? And, and it, it describes there how, how they were given to strong drink and those kinds of things. Verse 9 says, Whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. Now there's a, an important verse to apply when it comes to understanding doctrine from God's word. Uh, I know there are times where it may, it may seem to you that you aren't growing as fast as you should, or there's, you know, so much that you don't understand from God's word, but you see there, it describes how you learn doctrine. And it's precept upon precept, it's line upon line, it's here a little and there a little. And so you learn, you know, you learn some, some piece of truth here, and you learn some piece of truth there, and then that allows you to be able to learn more things as well from, from God's Word, you see? And it likens there the process of learning doctrine to the process of, of growing up. Uh, just like a, a child starts out on milk, but then is weaned from that milk, okay? The, uh, the same thing happens with doctrine. And so there's doctrine that would be like the milk of God's word, and there's doctrine that's meat of God's word. 
And so, so he describes there that learning of doctrine. But verse 11 is the verse that Paul is quoting where it says, For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. But the word of the Lord was unto them precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little, that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. And you see this is describing these things that are happening in connection with the, uh, the you could say the aftermath of the crucifixion of Christ. Um, here, here uh, Paul is quoting this in connection to tongues, where it says, With stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. Now, who are the this people in the verse? The whole, the whole context there of Isaiah 28 is Israel, right? And, and this, this uh, corrupt state of Israel... And how even with the, you know, the, this speaking to them, the Lord speaking to them uh, in this way with another tongue that they wouldn't hear and that the, the word of God was going to actually cause them to, to go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. Uh, but you see, the context there is, is Israel, right? And the context is showing the word of God to unbelieving Israel, right? So when Paul quotes the verse, uh, he he quotes it that you know with this with other tongues, God's going to speak to this people, to Israel, but they're not going to hear. And and if you think about that in connection with the day of Pentecost, now the day of Pentecost, uh, there were thousands that believed there on the day of Pentecost, but there were many more thousands of Israel that did not. There was a residue of God's people, but the, the majority continued on in their unbelief. And they were those described there in that last verse we read in Isaiah, uh, which said they'd go, go backward, they'd fall, they'd be taken in a snare and, and be taken. But you see, if you go back to 1 Corinthians 14, here, uh, this, this gives us some insight into what the purpose of these tongues were beginning on the day of Pentecost. So you see that tongues were to, to speak to Israel. God said with, with other, another tongue, he would speak to this people, to Israel, to, and to unbelieving Israel. Paul says that tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe. Right. So so when you're gathered in the church and, you know, you realize that the church is primarily for believers. That's what the focus is in the church. Right. Um, you know, evangelism is primarily for what you know, what you do outside of the church. But when you come together and you gather together as the church, if tongues are for a sign to them that believe not, it tells you tongues probably shouldn't play a very big part. Even here where they're still going on, where God is still doing that, he's telling the Corinthians, tongues shouldn't play a very big part in your church service. Because those are for a sign to those that believe not. They're not for those that believe. They're for those that believe not. Prophecy, speaking forth the word of God, that's for those that believe. That's what ought to have the focus in your church service. Tongues are for a sign to them that believe not, and specifically, they're a sign for unbelieving Israel. 
Now, when you consider, uh, again, Corinthians is written during a period of transition. Uh, the book of 1 Corinthians, by the way, is written about the time of, of like Acts chapter 20. Okay? And, and it's written in that, in that period of time where you have this transition where the focus is shifting from Israel to the Gentiles and where by the time you get to the end of the book of Acts, it, you know, the Bible's clear there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. Well, if tongues are for a sign to unbelieving Israel, but God is here in the process of transition where Israel is just put on, a, on just a, an equal plane with the Gentiles, there you have another reason why tongues would, would cease and would pass out of existence. If their purpose is to, to be assigned to unbelieving Israel and that distinction between Israel and the Gentiles is being done away, then once that's done away, that you don't have the need for that sign anymore. Okay, so last time we saw how the tongues were connected with those other gifts and they would pass away with the, the completion of the Word of God. Here you see some additional information about the purpose of tongues that again uh, leads you to why they would pass away when you get to the end of that transition that, that, you know, that we're going to see here in the book of Acts. So they're a sign, you see that tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But it says again, verse 22, 1 Corinthians fourteen twenty-two: prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. Uh, verse 23 says, if therefore the whole church be come together into one place and all speak with tongues and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that ye are mad? But if all prophesy and there come in one that believeth not or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, he is judged of all, and thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. Now, didn't he just say that tongues were for a sign for those that don't believe, but now he says, if this unbeliever comes into the church and you're all speaking in tongues, that he's going to think you're mad. Uh, again, the, when he says the tongues are for a sign uh, for them which believe not, he's saying that in the context of that verse, and he's talking about Israel. See, Israel knew, the Israelites who knew the Scriptures, they knew what the Scriptures said about how God was going to speak to them with other tongues. They knew that Scripture in Isaiah. They would have known the Scripture in Joel where, where it uh, talks about the Spirit being poured out. They knew those signs. But just a, some Gentile unbeliever who walks into the church there at Corinth and uh, hears them speaking in tongues, he's not going to know those things. He's going he's to wonder what kind, of, what kind of silliness is this that's going on. But you see, where it says if the Word of God is preached where people understand it, that, that prophesying, that preaching of the Word of God is going to make manifest the heart of, of that man and he's going to be convinced of all and judged of all. That's because the Word of God, when the, when the Scripture says of itself that the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, it says it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Okay? Now, realize when it says that, that the Word of God does those things, 
Many people, many people think that, you know, you can only find the Word of God uh, in the original Greek. Well, if I were to take my Greek New Testament out here today and stumble through the pronunciation of those words in Greek, that wouldn't do anything to discern the thoughts and intents of your heart, right? Because you wouldn't understand the language. It, it wouldn't matter. The, the power of the Word of God is not, it's not like some magical incantation where you just recite the words and that's where the power is. The power in the Word of God is when there's understanding of those things, right? And so, so uh, here what he's saying to these, to these Corinthians is they need to be speaking the Word of God in the language that everybody's going to understand so that if this unbeliever does come in, that Word of God can, can do its work, right? See how important it is, by the way, to have the Word of God in your own language? That's, a, that's an important thing. Um, again, you know, uh, if, if all we had was the Greek New Testament, that wouldn't do most of us any good because we wouldn't understand it anyway, Right? But to have the Word of God in your own language, that, that's really you know, what Paul is talking about here when he's talking about prophesying. He's just talking about prophesying in the language that people are going to understand, speaking forth the Word of God in the language that the people are going to understand and the effect that, that that'll have. Hi, I'm Richard Church, the teacher here on Verse by Verse. I'm glad you've listened to our podcast today, and I would like to let you know that if you have any questions about anything you've heard here, you can contact me by email at richard at richardchurch.com or by telephone 608-339-9522. I also encourage you to check out our church website at www.friendshipbiblechurch.com. Thank you for joining us today, and our prayer is that this program would be a blessing to you in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's grace.